as always, this episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. 740 Mo'ova Street in Kulihikai. Holy, I'm Leilani Poli Ahu. Ahui ho. Holy, holy. Welcome back. Our guest today is Senator Clayton He. Senator He is a graduate of Kamehameha Schools and the University of Hawaii at Manoa, Gobos, where he earned an MA in Pacific Island Studies and a professional degree from the College of Education. He was a public school teacher on the island of Molokai before running for elected office. He was first elected to the House of Representatives in 1982, representing the islands of Molokai and Lanai, as well as the western part of Maui. And he represented Windward Oahu when elected as a state senator from 1984 to 1988 and 2004 to 2014. He served as chairman of the State Senate Judiciary and Labor Committee and the Water, Land, Agriculture, and Hawaiian Affairs Committees. He also served as a trustee for the Office of Hawaiian Affairs from 1990 through 2002. And Senator He is currently running for his old Senate seat in District 23, which stretches from Kaneohe on Oahu's east side, up around the entire North Shore and onto Wahiwa, Schofield Barracks, and Kunia. And if you're not familiar with Oahu's geography, that's an enormous district. Also, throughout the course of this interview, you may hear some noise in the background. Uh, that is due to Senator He's living on a working family farm right here on his property. Yeah. Uh, we were talking with him just before we started recording, and he's got uh, sheep, he's got chickens, he's got turkeys, he's also growing tea leaves, and he's got some uh, taro as well. So that's a, that's a hell of a resume, and hopefully he's a hell of a guest. Senator He, welcome to the program. Yeah. Thanks, for guys. Uh, thanks for coming on. <laughs> now, uh, let's get this out of the way. To some of our listeners, this is going to be the elephant in the room. When we originally scheduled this interview, you were running uh, for governor in the Hawaii Democratic primary, and you decided to seek your old Senate seat and said, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. In, in a word, it was uh, money. Uh, our strategy was uh, going forward uh, was to uh, post a lot of uh, messaging on social media because of our limitations, budget limitations, and hopefully through social media generate um, uh, funding going forward. Uh, when, when, as the campaign uh, took, took on more legs, it became clearer to us that uh, the kind of resources we needed to be successful in the governor's race uh, would require uh, more than we personally, my wife Lynn and I, could afford and much more than <clears throat> the money we were generating through our efforts. So we made a tough decision, but it's a, it's, it's a call that has to be made uh, to um, uh, not seek the governor's uh, race because of the lack of uh, sufficient resources we felt were required to be successful. And that's pretty disappointing for a lot of young people too because uh, as whenever you announced, we actually featured it pretty prominently on our show because you're the first and only politician in Hawaii's history to target millennials. And uh, I think the quote that you said... At least on the statewide level. Yeah, just right. And I think the quote that you said uh, on whenever you announced your candidacy was that millennials were taking it in the shorts here in Hawaii. Mm. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit more about yeah, what you sure. mean by that? Uh First of all, you know, um, I didn't target millennials uh, uh, as uh, as a neglected part of the community, um, but rather I <clears throat> always viewed that the governor should represent everybody. So it was trying to represent everybody, including millennials. Uh, secondly, I have a son that's... Uh, your age. I mean, he's a millennial, and um, uh, he. F I, I think it's fair to say there's a disconnect he feels uh, from government, uh, regardless that his father has been in office for 30 years almost, and uh, his mother at one time served in the House of Representatives. So it's not as if he hasn't had the exposure, but rather the... Um, kinds of decisions made at the Capitol, uh, in my opinion, does not reflect um, legislation that addresses the concerns and needs of the future generations. Uh, for example, unless 
a substantial effort by the legislature is made to um, address the unfunded liability of the retirement state retirement system mm-hmm. and the state health system, it's the millennials and future generations that are going to end up paying for the retirement and health benefits of people like me. And it's going to be sort of that upside down pyramid effect where whenever the programs were created, there was always more uh, people in a bigger generation behind you to, to sort of fund it. And now we've got a situation where Hawaii, there's more older people than there are younger people. That's correct. So you're so going to have the other. few paying for the many. And there are, we were already, I mean, on we're a, already poor as millennials. On a national scale, it's like social security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same model. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate reality of that is during the Cayetano years, the legislature, in, in, in lieu of raising taxes, uh, took the money out of the state retirement and health fund, and the, those two funds have never been able to recover. And, you know, the legislature needs to take responsibility for that because the consequence really is, is that uh, grandchildren and their grandchildren will be paying for the benefits enjoyed by people like uh, do you th- my age. Do you think that you took heat for saying that out loud? Because it's, that's kind of one of those things that we don't like to talk about here in Hawaii. Like, do you think there was maybe a concerted taken, effort against you? I've taken of heat most of my career. Uh, I've, you know, I, I have uh, perhaps as much as anyone else been uh, uh, outspoken, uh, opinionated. Um, I try to be uh, clear uh, in my communication, and sometimes that's not always uh, well received by uh, other lawmakers. You know, I I authored the uh, same-sex marriage bill. Uh, I had a long conversation with uh, Neil Abercrombie, who was governor, and he's my friend. And uh, I changed. I I looked, took his bill, and uh, we. We kept most of the bill, but I changed the title to from relating to marriage equality to relating to equal rights because I saw it as a, an issue of equal rights that happened to involve sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a long, uh, focused discussion on what the title should be, but I'd made up my mind, and I said, no, this is, an, this is a constitutional issue to me. Uh, but that's an example of if I happen to feel strongly about an issue, it's not that I'm right, but I will express what I believe to be uh, correct. No, so then on that point, you know, if, if you get back into the Senate, what is your vision for how do we attack this problem? Do you think uh, raise taxes, cut spending? Well, I, I, I believe it's, it's a combination. It's, it's finding a balance. And part of that, uh, is part of raising revenue in lieu of raising taxes would be to find new new sources of income. And I believe one of the most uh, successful ways other states have um, enjoyed income is through a multi-state lottery, for example. Uh, CNN reported in 2016 that of the 44 states that participated in a multi-state lottery, uh, the gross income was $92 billion. Wow. After administrative costs and payouts, the um, net income to the states was $26 billion. So that's substantial income. You know, Hawaii's budget is $13 billion and growing because um, when you look at the infrastructure costs going uh, prospectively, um, just coastal highways uh, that will be impacted by uh, sea level rise due to uh, global warming will uh, impact 38 linear miles statewide of coastal highways that will either need to be relocated or um, raised. And the the 2018 dollars, according to the Hawaii Department of Transportation, is $15 billion. Uh, If rail is to be finished at Ala Moana as opposed to Middle Street, Mm -hmm. that's an additional $5 billion if nothing goes wrong. Right. What's a big if, seeing yeah. what we've seen so far? Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, I I believe we can all conclude that the phrase "on time" and "on budget" does not fit the rail uh, project. It's kind of like uh, George Bush unrolling the mission accomplished banner. That's yeah. right. After the invasion of Iraq. Yeah, that's right. So no, so you do you do believe we should stop at Middle Street? 
Oh, no question. Cut our losses. I believe that. Um, uh, I believe that because uh, that funding is in place. Yeah. It's uh, 8.2 or 8.4 billion. It's already in place. What I believe taxpayers don't realize is the five billion to it's a billion dollars a mile to Ala Moana from uh, Middle Street, according to uh, uh, Panos Prevadoris, who is the uh, uh, head of the uh, civil and environmental engineering department at the university. And he's also a strong uh, anti-rail that's advocate. That he or, he has been yes, yeah. that's correct. But um, he says that uh, when 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 piles are being driven vertically down Queen Street. Mm-hmm. And at 45 degree angle under existing buildings, that if any of the old buildings start to lean like they do in San Francisco, it's going to be much more than a, more. a billion dollars a mile. So, what do we do to, if it's, if we stop the rail at Middle Street, we need to flesh out some sort of transportation solution to to fill in mm-hmm. the rest. What's what's your vision for that? The um, going forward, it's 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 an interesting question. But transportation will take a radically different uh, complexion going forward for uh, future generations. Uh, Transportation uh, is already beginning to um, uh, show itself as a ride-hailing business, Mm -hmm. a rent car business, as opposed to an owning a car business, like we've done for generations. Ride-hailing services will play a much larger role because, among other things, there's so many people on this island with so much traffic and costs to keep a car uh, are escalating and not getting cheaper. So it would not surprise me in two generations that um, uh, we may be, as we were at one time, a one-car family as opposed to one person, one car yeah. per family. Um, you know, it's gonna be so. You think it's gonna be like a cultural, like mindset change too, as well as there, what happens I, I, on the political I level. think, well, in my opinion, there's gonna be a dramatic shift due to economics, due to the culture, uh, the landscape. Um, you know, there's there isn't a place on the island of Oahu where there uh, aren't any cars. Yeah. There's cars everywhere. Um, and it doesn't matter what time of the day and it doesn't matter what day of the week. Rush hour can happen like that. Anything, yeah. One thing goes wrong and we're sitting in traffic well, for two hours. I mean, anyone. And and by the way, that that's a natural consequence of decisions we make. So when people look in the morning at the H1, H2 merge and see nothing but cars headed to Honolulu, it's a consequence of the conscious decision of one car, one person. And I'm not about to say what is right or wrong for someone's uh, decision-making, mm-hmm. but rather to say whatever decision made that uh, come to fruition uh, has a consequence. And we see it every morning at the H1, H2 merge, the Kunia interchange, and everywhere else. Um, I don't think people can survive under those circumstances uh, without making shifts in their cultural uh, decision-making. Um, in the next 20 years, Ho'opili, uh, which is a 12,500-unit development in Kapolei, and Core Ridge, which is a 5,000-development unit in uh, Mililani, mm-hmm. will generate at today's um, uh, ratio uh, of cars per family, no fewer than 35,000 additional vehicles at that area of the island. Now, but doesn't that sort of make the case for rail, though? I mean, because then you can have them, rather than clogging up the roads, have a you know park-and-ride station that they can all use, and it sort of streamlines the well, transportation process. That presumes uh, that... Presumes that people uh, will ride the rail. Under the present circumstance, it appears people uh, are making decisions absent of uh, public transportation. For example, the bus bus service, which really goes from point to point Mm -hmm. as opposed to the rail going from one station to another. 
the bus transportation runs at an operating deficit of $350 million a year. And that's with them raising bus but fares every... It, yeah. But at the same time, though, I mean, the bus is still taking the roads as a public infrastructure, so they're sitting in traffic as much as everybody else, whereas the rail runs, you know, it can run on time, and you get a car full of people, and it takes... I mean, one of the benefits that I've experienced living in a city that had rail is regardless of how many wrecks were on the road, it was 20 minutes to work every time, rain or shine, that, hot that, or cold. That and, presumes that the rail is convenient for most people. Right now, the rail runs from Kapolei to Middle Street. More people, I believe, will have to take rail simply because of the number of cars. However, having said that, if it were go to go to Middle Street, it would be um, it would go th uh, through the uh, Kunia interchange as well as the H1 H2 merge, so it would be easier for people to to ride the rail under that circumstance. Uh, the mayor uh, and others seem to think that it should go to the University of Hawaii. Okay, I myself at, included in that. At first blush, at first blush, it makes sense. Until you, until it was pointed out that the University of Hawaii operates its campus at 155 days per year, which means, and for 200 days, 210 days, uh, probably the rail would not be used as much because it would be either on a break, on a weekend, uh, summer school, um, and at 2018, 18 dollars. Presently, the rail uh, operating deficit is 150 million. So it presumes then that um, the county taxpayers of this island, Oahu, will be on the hook for half a billion dollars uh, more uh, to sustain two public transportation uh, uh, businesses that, at least by the current projections, will not be sustainable. I, I think the, the pushback on that, though, in my mind is, well, it's only 155 days a year, but those 155 days a year, if people are treating it as a commuter campus, then you're putting all of those cars back on the road. Whereas if you get the rail, even if you just did a spur or something like that, so people could live in, you know, Mo'uli'ili and take the rail up to campus or live downtown and take the rail to campus, something like that. Um, you're keeping cars off the road, you're decreasing infrastructure wear and tear, you're decreasing the likelihood of you know, wrecks or pedestrians getting hit by cars or bikes getting hit by cars, all sorts of things like that, which it's, you know, it's, we don't have to agree on it, but I, I just- No, I, I think that's great, but it presumes that, uh, I think it presumes that rail is free. There's a cost incurred uh, to pay for rail. For example, uh, where the question asked to me, at the end of the day, if rail goes to Alamoana, it'll be probably between 13 and $15 billion. Would you pay 13 to $15 billion to pay for rail, or would you use that money to elevate coastal highways or relocate coastal highways due to global warming? I would do the second, not the first. I wish we could do both, but we already... Uh, try to sustain ourselves in an environment that is not sustainable for food security. 40% of people live from paycheck to paycheck. The cost of living is as high as any other state. Higher. And, uh, the, you know, uh, there's a lack of affordable housing, a lack of affordable rentals. There's, uh, um, you know, there are so many issues and not to argue about the uh, efficacy uh, of a mass transportation system, it's more of, in my opinion, the priorities uh, confronting millennials going forward. You know, I'm an old timer um, and I'm a short timer, so a lot of the <laughs> things that you folks will be saddled with uh, are really important uh, in terms of policy decisions going forward. Many of the things you folks will be confronted with, you have no choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'd like to wish that, that sea level rise wasn't coming, but let's be uh, perfectly uh, uh, honest and frank about it. Sea level rise will happen at least uh, a foot every 10 years. 
I mean, and <laughs> and I think I'm being conservative, but that's I think we should plan on a foot every ten years and look at what that means for uh, people that live uh, along coastal highways, and look at what that means for low, low uh, lying areas like Waikiki yep. between the beach and Aloai Canal. That's all going to be underwater. Our, the heart of our, the heart of our tourism industry. So yeah, exactly. dependent on tourism. And 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 you know that's a perfect segue. Uh, if if uh, people continue to believe that tourism is a panacea to our problems, how is it that we have these problems yeah. when tourism is not slowing down, but in fact accelerating? So that in any point in time, uh, there's well over a million tourists on Oahu every day. There's at any point in any given month uh there may be as many as a million more tourists uh uh each month uh that's not sustainable for oahu and it's not sustainable for the future generations that's i mean you know and uh if it was that great of an industry how is it that all of these issues have not been resolved or how is it that if it's such a great industry why do people work paycheck to paycheck exactly on- and have two tourism jobs. And, and I think, I, I like the way that you framed it where you said, you know, it's rail or other priorities because I think in my mind, that is what it comes down to. It's, I think rail is unequivocally a good idea and if, and I think it's okay to think that it's not. I think it's just the fact that you're pointing to the priorities that you would rather address rather well, than that. I'll give you, I'll give you a different example. I, I used to jog every day in the country and so I'd see the same people almost every day and there's a lot uh, there's a group of ladies that are walking and one day as i was jogging down this lady was on the other side of the road and i see her virtually every day and she 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 said out in a loud voice when are we going to get sidewalks because i live in the country yeah so i ran across the street i said i didn't i I wanted i heard what you said but i wasn't sure what you said and she said oh i said when are we going to get sidewalks and i said as long as you're willing to pay for them you can get sidewalks and she said what do you mean i said sidewalks aren't free yeah somebody's paying for them and it's taxpayers so if you're willing to pay for pay more taxes and she looked at me i mean immediately and she said we don't need sidewalks and i said no that's how i feel yeah you know, I mean, she she immediately, it was a pocketbook issue for her, and she did the computing without knowing numbers. She just knew that she didn't want to pay more for sidewalks. She she could walk on the grass. And that's really what it is, you know. Speaking about uh, unfunded liabilities and creative sources of new financing, which we mentioned a moment ago, you were also the only candidate in the governor's race and one of the only candidates in the future potential state legislature uh, to be unabashedly in favor of uh, legalization of cannabis, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, for me, it was it was another source of income uh, in lieu of raising taxes. Uh, Colorado, Nevada, Washington, other states uh, have uh, legalized the adult use of uh, uh, marijuana, and um, you know. It, it, it's a source of income that should be debated at the legislature. Um, some people who have uh, spoken to me as late as uh, yesterday uh, are, are uncomfortable with that being spoken out loud. But the fact is, when I was in high school 45 years ago, people were smoking dope. This is not a new phenomenon. Yeah. People were smoking dope before I was in high school. So, you know, let's get real about this. People, as we're having this interview, people are smoking dope right now. To be clear, we are not smoking dope right now for no. all the listeners at home. <laughs> no. Although this is a nice family farm. And if, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no one's ever asked me, but I don't smoke dope. You know, I, I, and I'm not saying it to be to, to, for any other reason than to say it is what yep. it is. But I've, I've had people tell me that uh, they couldn't work for 10 years because they had migraines. Yeah. They started taking uh, marijuana. Yep. And their migraines went away. I mean, they couldn't, they had to stay, they had a difficult time sitting in the dark in quiet because they had migraines. They couldn't function. Yep. Um, so 
if cannabis has a medical uh, property to it that that uh, helps you, and I'm sure there are many many people who would uh, testify to that, uh, including mothers of little children who suffer seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense to have that discussion. Now, I've been in the legis- legislature long enough when there was a time when talking about uh, gay people marrying was as uncomfortable. Yeah. But over t- the stigma goes away, just That's, like same. You know. you know, people don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. And usually it might take a U.S. Supreme Court ruling to, uh, uh, to substantiate that, the, uh, beha- that behavior is uh, constitutional. People get over it, you know. Um, uh, someone told me uh, just yesterday that sh- uh, she didn't want people smoking dope and driving. Well, That's people why we smoke, the rail, right? <laughs> smoke and drive right now, and yeah. not, illegally. And I'm not saying, it doesn't mean because it's recreationally legal that you can smoke and, and drive. I mean, you cannot drink and drive. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to smoke and drive. It's not going to be drive. the Wild West free-for-all. No, people... Not- it, Go to people, the worst case scenario, yeah, right? I think the assumptions being made are um, not well thought out. But the idea I put forward was because other states successfully have been navigating their way uh, through another source of income in lieu of raising taxes. And, you know, taxes will have to be raised mm-hmm. and uh, you try to limit the the taxing local people. I mean... You know, I mean, it's not that I like to tax the tourists, but given the given the choices, it's okay to say it. You know, I'd <laughs> we're, rather we're raise okay, the okay yeah. room yeah. tax. Yeah, they're buying but, you know, nine hundred dollar I mean, Gucci bags. They I can... was, uh, you know, I was in the legislature when we raised the ho- when we established the hotel room tax, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I couldn't believe that. Well, how come there's no tax? I mean, it's a source of revenue yep. in lieu of taxing residents, and I haven't changed since that time. I believe it was nineteen. Uh, I believe it was 85, 85 or 86. Yeah, we no, we've, yeah go ahead. We've, uh, you've, you've mentioned sustainability. You've mentioned food security. You're, you're talking about being up in the country. Uh, can you tell, for our audience, tell a little bit about what's going on over my shoulder out the window oh. right here because we're seeing food security and sustainability yeah. in action. Also, in, there's one thing that you couldn't really tell people about, but your house smells so fragrant and floral <laughs> yeah it's thanks. so nice and i just wish my whole life smelled like this <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks well i mean you know uh we uh we bought this property uh sometime around 1990 so we've had it a, a while um we were very fortunate we thought like everybody else we thought we paid too much mm-hmm. we wondered how we we're gonna make the mortgage and like so many others uh you find a way uh, over those, over that time since uh, 1990, we've been able to um, uh, 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 get some income from uh, uh, tropical flowers uh, for florists. Uh, uh, the gardenias that grow here uh, are perfect for gardenias as, uh, and uh, ginger uh, plants and heliconia. But over time, we've also planted um, breadfruit. It does well here. Uh, papayas, uh, taro. We have an aquaponic uh, facility uh, that grows vegetables and provides us with uh, tilapia for fish. Uh, we have some, uh, on this property, we have sheep here that we harvest every now and then for meat. Uh, I have a bunch of turkeys in the back. Um, we can hear them. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty gonna, surreal. Yeah, you're going to hear them. Yeah. And so they're generally there for uh, the holiday season, but uh, every now and then we'll harvest one for meat. Then we, I have a, a bunch of egg layers, uh, production birds for um, fresh eggs. And um, that's pretty much it, I think. Uh, every now and then we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll trap a, a, a feral hog. The hogs are coming down again, so no I have way. my traps wow. set. Yeah, so call us uh, over for the barbecue. I'm from every, Alabama, so I know what I'm oh, doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then you know, I mean, we've we've trapped feral hogs from time to time. Uh, the traps are out because they're down here again. And so you know, I mean, we try we try to be sustainable. Um, the animals pretty much uh, 
we I have some water catchment systems in the back because in, in where we live it rains quite a bit and um, yeah we enjoy it but you know I'm I also understand that uh, you know most people don't have uh, the the place the place like we do yep. to be able to do what we do so I understand how difficult it is and we're very fortunate like I said way back when this this lot became available and uh, we looked at it. We made some evaluations. We thought, well, you know, we could do stuff. I, I have a, I have some beehives in the back uh, for pollinating the flowers, but also harvesting honey. And, and I realized that most people, particularly if you live in Honolulu, mm-hmm. don't have that same privilege. Yeah. But we enjoy it, and, and, and we're very fortunate. And, and, but that's what I wanted to bring to the governor's office. Uh, I didn't want to bring a law degree. I yeah. didn't want to bring that experience. That that's easy, but real practical, yeah. hands-on, been there, done that type of stuff, and uh, uh, with the future generations in mind. Uh, yeah. Speaking of you know practical, hands-on experience, future generations. You were a teacher for a long time as well, right? Uh, you had a public school teacher. Public school teacher, we might add. Right. Yeah, and uh, you had a commercial on Facebook. You talked about that experience and how. Because of it, you had a first-hand understanding of the problems of the Department of Education. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we make Hawaii's education system better, and especially I, in ways that don't involve just throwing more money? Well, I believe that uh, the Department of Education, uh, supported by the Board of Education, needs to embrace the idea that parents, teachers, students, and uh, school administrators uh make collaborative decisions what's best for the school you know um uh, let me let me use this example i'm a graduate of the kamehameha schools and there was a period of time where there was tremendous pressure on the schools to admit uh students who are not hawaiian Mm. Uh, tremendous pressure and uh one of the uh through that time period i looked at the schools, the private schools, like mm-hmm. you went to Iolani and I went to Kamehameha. I have friends that went to Punahou. Sure. And, uh, Never heard of them. And other schools. And what my idea was that everybody should be uh, uh, students of, let's call it for the sake of this discussion, the royal schools, where um, each campus uh, excelled in certain areas where there's uh, uh, science, technology, engineering, math, um, the arts, mm-hmm. you know, and that each campus was a campus where students were free to go, much like you do collegiately. Yeah. And that same model I envision for public schools. Now, it may be district uh, dis- within each district, or it may be island-wide, but certain campuses uh, 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 are better equipped for certain activities. For sure. example, at Kahuku High School, where, where is, uh, I've represented uh, uh, Kahuku, they've ha- they have a tremendous ag program, mm-hmm. and most of the people out there uh, are, f- are closer to ag than, let's say, the people whose children might go to McKinley High School. Sure. So, you know, it makes sense then that if you're at McKinley and you have a real interest in ag, you might consider becoming a student at Kahuku. Mm. But in other words, rather than put up fences, let's put up ideas. When I was a, a student teacher, I was at McKinley. Now, I lived in Kaneohe and I, I wanted... Uh, it was easier for me. I was still a student at the university to teach, do my uh, teaching practicum at Castle. But the DOE rules were pretty rigid. They said, no, no, we choose where you go so instead and of you your, go to yeah. McKinley. Instead of your neighborhood school, you had to go all yeah, the way to downtown. Right. So I think it was, you know, it, it was the, the, the idea of putting up fences where one size, <clears throat> a round hole in a round peg. Yeah. It just doesn't work anymore. And with iPhones and computers and uh, technology that um, is improving and going faster than anyone can imagine, it just makes sense that someday 
students might spend as much time uh, at home as they might do in a classroom setting. And those are the things that we need to prepare uh, ourselves as adults uh, for students as a new leadership uh, uh, generation. Regardless of whether we do so or not, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's a matter of getting in front of the wave as opposed to finding out, wait, what about me, you know? And so that's, that's what I thought, I mean, you know. What about uh, one of the topics we've talked about a lot with um, previous guests is uh, the fact that Hawaii's public schools tend to consistently underserve the students um, and that a lot of that is due to funding limitations. So Josh asked the question about, you know, without throwing more money at it, what can we do? Um, and I'll, I'll take it in, the, in an opposite direction and say, uh, do we have s potentially maybe a conflict of interest where most of our legislators went to private schools but make the rules and allocate the funds for public institutions because they don't necessarily have skin in the game when they didn't go to public school, their kids don't go to public school, their grandkids probably don't go to public school. No, I, I, I never thought of it that way. I, I, I think... I think legislators, by and large, uh, on any given issue, rely a lot on the bureaucrats during their testimony of their vision going forward. And generally, bureaucrats tend to see things as they were as opposed to see things as they could be. Mm. And so I don't think it has anything to do or much to do with them having a private school experience or their kids going to private education uh, as much as I, uh, the, the, um, the rhythm of the legislative process is very quick. So the reliance on bureaucrats to make recommendation is much higher than if the rhythm was slower. For example, and I'm not advocating this, but if the legislature were a full-time legislature, mm -hmm. you would have more time to do um, uh, uh, better work. Yeah, more long-term planning. Well, yeah, that I mean, kind of thing. It's, it, you're always up on deadlines. Yeah, and so you know, and that and that's a consequence of, of that process. Um, now, I realize the public has, uh, at least when they've been asked, they they don't want to full-time legislature well that's fair enough but then you get the product that you get mm -hmm. it, it's no different than people blaming uh, 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 legislators or elected officials for the quality of work well the first question is in your complaint did you vote mm -hmm. uh, secondly uh, did you who did you vote for and why did you vote for and the third one's would you consider running to do a better job? Unfortunately, in Hawaii, yeah. the answer to did you vote is often no. <laughs> That's right. Well, so I, I think you definitely are, are hitting on a lot of issues, a lot of really good points that, that, you know, we don't have a full-time legislature and we don't have uh, necessarily a very politically engaged populace. Um, but that said, I mean, in, in my mind, uh, coming from a city that actually has a very similar dynamic to Honolulu where the public schools are they're actually considerably worse. I think the graduation rate's about 49% at a public school. Um, it seems to me though that, you know, we never have enough money for schools, but it's never, you know, representative X's kid school that is affected. It's never, you know, when your own kid is coming to you and saying, you know, we don't have air conditioning, it's really hot in there. Or like, why are your grades so bad? And I'm like, well, because, you know, the walls are falling apart and I can't focus or whatever it is. Uh, it seems like it hits you differently. And I, and I know I think you're somewhat excluded from this because you went to Kamehameha, which was established, uh, for those of you who don't know at home, by the bishop estate uh, and is not necessarily a, a status assembly as a lot of the other schools on the island. But does it, you, you don't see that there could potentially be a, somebody might say, a conflict whenever you have people who have no buy-in into the public education system making rules for the public education system? I think that's a, that's a leap of faith that's founded in presumptions that 
I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but, uh, you know, uh, the presumption that someone went to private school and therefore they're better or had a better experience uh, well, may and not I, necessarily I'm not trying to apply be that. I, I'm, I'm just saying, uh, like, if I'm a voter or if I'm a, a legislator and somebody introduces a bill to me and, you know, my kid goes to Ponaho and it's, you know, to allocate this many hundreds of millions of dollars to air conditioning. I'm like, well, you know, well, that can, it doesn't hit me the same when I know it's not, it's my kid who's not sweating. And but that, that presumes that, that your if your child was in a private education, uh, that their room is air conditioned. And that's, that's not always true. I mean, I went through Kamehameha 12 years, 13 years. I don't recall sitting in an air conditioned classroom. I mean, I was as bored as, I suppose some school, some students that sit in a public education classroom was because the teacher didn't motivate me or I wasn't motivated by the teacher. I think that's, that's a, that's a more accurate uh, assessment. Um, so I, it, it's, a, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of moving parts. Um, you, you, at the end of the day, you try to do more with less. And uh, that, that to me is where uh, the rubber meets the road uh, as a legislator. That said, um, you know, Governor Ige uh, allegedly, according to his commercials, he did a thousand plus classrooms air conditioned. Well, good for him, but, uh, <laughs> you know, at what cost, mm. you know? I mean, I, I built an extension. Uh, just over a year and a half ago, and I have solar uh, 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 units. Uh, they cost me, because I did it myself with a friend of mine who's an electrician, we cost me maybe 4000 each unit, so it cost me 12000 If I had done it through a commercial, uh, they were 10000 per unit, so 30000 uh, even at thirty thousand a portable classroom, this, from what I understand from the Hawaii State Teachers Association, is, would have saved a lot more money. But you know, uh, they they were redoing the trunk lines and all of this and that. I, I I'm not I, I'm not, I'm not sure what's behind all of that. But if if it was up to me, I'd have put a solar air conditioned unit on every classroom in at Campbell High School. Because schools run during the day. Yep. The sun run, shines during the day. You don't need solar at night because the schools are closed. I mean, but, you know, I'm not there. I didn't make those decisions. I don't know what went into the decisions, but just looking at it from a common sense point of view, and if that were my school, just like how I make decisions at my house, that's what I would have done, and that's what I did. I didn't do a... a a hardwired air conditioned unit upstairs, and there were three. There's three uh, uh, units, simply because it cost too much. Yeah, I mean that was that was the reason. So um, I catch rainwater for the animals because I don't want to pay for water. It's a decision I made, and um, you know. I, so I think if government were to approach things as if it were theirs, maybe decisions might be different. But I can't say. I mean. The, the liability issue always arises, but uh, I, I can't say uh, on any given decision why, unless I knew how they de decided. Well, thanks for answering that. That got a little bit, uh, I think we got a little bit too, like, I wouldn't say too, I think we got a little bit into policy <laughs> more than I think we meant to. Uh, our last questions, and we asked this to everybody we talked to, uh, restaurant recommendations what's your favorite place to eat <laughs> in oahu we'll give you actually we, we've yeah. kind of scaled it up a little bit well actually too also we, we want to ask one specifically for and you know you've got a you've got a huge district it's the biggest senate district on oahu that you're going for is that's that correct, correct? Okay. that's correct um then actually something i think that might be useful before we lead you in for we have a lot of listeners uh on the mainland and over and overseas how would you describe your district? Like what, what, what makes this district unique? It's the last district where there are remnants of country. Uh, it is the largest district where there are 
family farms uh, that exist on the island of Oahu. Uh, uh, it is the most rural area, in my opinion. But having said that, it also generates tremendous traffic when people aren't at work mm. because urban Honolulu, people need to recreate. And if obviously you can't, everybody can't recreate at Waikiki Beach. There's too many tourists at Alamoana. It's only so big. Mm -hmm. And during the high, uh, big surf during the, the winter months, everybody comes out. Uh, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but the, road, the roads are, yeah. are jammed. All, uh, listeners on the mainland, uh, if you've heard of a famous surf spot in Hawaii, it's probably in Senator Hughes District. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All in North Shore. Yep. So, you know, the Eddie Aikau is in Waimea Bay in February. And the Pipe Masters. Pipe Masters and, you know, every big surf. Um, no, I shouldn't say every, but most, Seems the majority. Like it, yeah. Because Makaha also has theirs, but... Um, the vast majority are on the North Shore. So there's tremendous traffic. I mean, if I'm the example, when there's surf meets on the North Shore, I do not go to the North Shore. Unless you want to sit in traffic for three hours. I, I up just there. don't want to yeah. sit. Exactly. I mean, it's legitimately, for people listening at home, it is three hours to yep. go two, three miles. One road in, one road it's, out. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a coastal highway. <laughs> Which may be Back underwater to. soon. Yeah. That's what, that, yeah. That, That'll help with the traffic. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, I got, I, sorry, one and one last question before we jump back to restaurants. Um, so this was your seat. You gave it up. You're going back for it. What's uh, what's your relationship like with the incumbent, and what do you how you expect this race to shape up? Well, I think it'll be a, a really tough race. Um, um, uh, I think well, the way I assess the incumbent is that um, uh, he and I have similar views. Uh, on the environment, uh, we're very different, in my opinion, on uh, uh, civil rights issues and uh, issues that involve, well, let's put it this way. The last minimum wage increase was done because I introduced the bill and I really pushed hard as a labor chair and judiciary chair. Uh, so much so that even when the House position and Senate position was 10 cents difference, mm -hmm. I was relentless in getting that extra 10 cents because of my firm belief that it adds up, it adds up for single mothers with mm -hmm. kids. Um, uh, I authored same-sex marriage because I believe it's a constitutional right, just as people who get taxed include all people, regardless of the sexual orientation. Um, so the difference to, or, uh, the third difference is um, I'm the only elected legislator that intervened against the developments of Ho'opili and Coa Ridge because they uh, will uh, usurp active farmland that are pro producing food for us locally. Those are political positions that generally politicians who want to stay forever don't take because there's a risk involved. Mm -hmm. I've always run campaigns under the philosophy that I'm going to be there for one term and so I'm going to do the best I can for one term. Ironically, those decisions, I think, have um, uh, allowed me to stay for several terms because of... Uh, I guess people's belief in in me uh, speaking out. So I'm a little different than the incumbent in that regard, or maybe a lot different in our terms of our uh, philosophical belief on civil rights issues. Uh, he's a former Republican. Um, so, you know, we see things like others, uh, similar when it comes to motherhood issues like the environment, but that that's easy. It's the hard, the tough stuff that separates you from the, the rest. Yeah. In Thailand, you can get 20 years in prison for insulting the king. In Honolulu, you can get 20% off at Royal Thai Garden 
for mentioning the Blue Hawaii podcast. Royal Thai Garden, Eva Beach, 96706, the best Thai food, the best lotion food, the best shrimp. Everything is good. Just go there, eat it. It's great. Mention Blue Hawaii podcast, get 20% off. 20%. Blue Hawaii. One of the things we ask everybody who we interview is for their favorite restaurants. Uh, the spots they would go maybe if somebody was coming into town for the first time. And then one of the ones we've been introducing more is date night. So, uh, and then I, maybe for you, uh, you could even name your favorite one in, in your district. Yeah. So, what well, uh, uh, let, let me put it to you this way. Um, <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> really enjoy uh, Hawaiian food. Mm. And uh, one of the places that makes really good Hawaiian food is a small little hole in the wall in Kalihi called Helena's. Yeah. Yep. Hawaiian food. Yeah. And so... <clears throat> Um, I like I like their food. What do you get there? I I try to go a la carte. I, I like their uh, their meat. I like their uh, the pipicala is the, what we always yeah. hear people talk about it. Right, and uh, I like their uh, uh, squid luau, mm. and they they make everything good over there. Uh, Can't go wrong. So I I I do like Helena's um, a lot. And then um, if it were. Um, um, Another restaurant is Asahi Grill, which is a super a, solid, a greasy spoon that yeah. serves really good local food like chicken papaya. Mm. <laughs> that place is always busy. Yeah, it's always busy, and uh, you know they serve good stews there. So those, you know, those are little hole in the walls. They're they're not they're not uh, High's restaurant or someplace at Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center. I, I like the little restaurants, the mom and pop. Uh, restaurants. Um, the North Shore has good Mexican food. Mm. Cholos is mm-hmm. one of them that I, I've gone to. Um, Louis Bueno is good too on North Shore, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's another good one. So those little mom and pops are the you know they're they're not like uh, multinational type of uh, franchises. Yeah. You know, I, so that's what I like. Senator Clayton, he man of the people. Thank you so much for sitting down with us and inviting us into your home. Yeah, thank, thanks. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me. You're always welcome back. Don't tell us that. We'll be coming back. It's okay with me. You guys want to come? I got the time. I'm ready to. I'm ready to give up this whole loft thing and help you out on this farm. Man. <laughs> All right, yeah. Blue Hawaii podcast. Blue Hawaii. Thank you, Senator. You're welcome. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.